Hello and welcome to the Trucking Driver Podcast. I'm Dougie Rankin and I'm joined by special guest today for the first time in three years, I think, on the podcast, Morton Cullimore. How are we doing, Morton? Yeah, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. I've been enjoying this um, long run of hot weather we've had, although it's started to break a little bit and we've been getting some um, decent rain showers in Scotland. There were actually people panicking and saying, oh, we're going to have a hosepipe ban. And I was like, no, up here we're not. Yes. Not a chance of it. So, how, how is it down in Gloucestershire? Is the, is the quarry pretty dusty at the moment? Uh, well, actually, no, we had some thunderstorms yesterday morning quite early, and we had a little bit, bit of rain the day before that as well. So, uh, we've gone back to, I mean, the sun is shining and it is hot. So, we've gone back to being humid with the rain that we had for two, two mornings. And then there was uh, some pretty heavy thunderstorms down here the weekend before last as well. So, we've got a real mix between hot and uh you know rain yeah i think it's kind of the traditional british summer that we're getting it's not the um drought conditions that some people are saying they're getting in a bit of panic about not but, in most places anyway there there is talk but, uh, of a heat wave coming though isn't there i think over the next couple uh, of weeks we'll see oh uh, uh, yeah i'll have to see, i'll have to go and uh, watch that because i've been doing quite a bit of lorry driving as well and it, it does get really sticky at night in the cab if you do if you're not one of the few people who's fortunate enough to have nighttime air conditioning in yeah. the truck or an aircon pod uh, especially when you're in truck stops and things when all the trucks part together they all kind of generate you know residual heat you know if it's like 28 degrees normally it's about 40 degrees in the truck stop I guess just for anybody that's new to the podcast um, or isn't familiar, do you want to uh, explain to people um, who you are and your role with, because you're heavily involved with the Road Haulage Association and you're also, um, you know, you're, you're basically in charge of the Cullimore group of companies as well. Yeah. So, I mean, just a, a, a short background on me. I'm, I'm a third generation um, haulier uh, as such. Um, my grandfather started a haulage business back in, in the 1920s. Um, we're sort of not a million miles away from our hundredth year, but not for a couple of years yet, but we're, we're moving that way. So that's, that's nice. Been based in Gloucestershire for all, all of that time, but you know, we have a multi-purpose fleet because we have quarries, um, as well and do heavy haulage, uh, as well as general haulage and, and concrete mixes. So we've really got a diverse fleet. So we, we're in sort of a lot of, a lot of fingers in, in a lot of pies, so to speak, when it comes to transport and trucks. And then, and then also two years ago, I became the national chair of the Road Haulage Association or RHA as it prefers to be called now. Obviously, that's a members association, which um, during my tenureship has, has kind of opened its doors, not to just hauliers, but to individual members. So, you know, anyone associated with the, the, the haulage or the truck world can, can become a member and enjoy many benefits of that. And, uh, you know, we're trying to increase our representation. You know, we're you know, an association that represents, I think, the the what we call the small majority of mm -hmm. the transport world, you know, and, and that's basically members, uh, you know, who would own two to 15 trucks, let's say. So, you know, a majority of the haulage world that's out there, but also we represent the bigger companies and the very famous companies that you see on TV too. So it's quite a big job. There's eight and a half thousand members of, of which I'm the, uh, you know, the non-exec board of director with with 14 others and, and and the chair of that so as we spoke about last time there's there's been some campaigns being a a, a natural family run haulier um there's some mm -hmm. campaigns that's been close to my heart that's I, i've been pushing and as national national chair i've been able to try and bring that to the fore and I, you know i think some of your your listeners would would um you know have have empathy with some of the campaigns that i've been trying to 
trying to push for because they're all ones we've been talking about for many, many years, but hasn't really got off the ground. Um, mm-hmm. I can bore you about those as we go, as we go on. That would be great because, um, you know, with the Road Haulage Association and until, well, I bought my own truck, I very nearly put it on the road and I'd actually joined the RHA preemptively in that because you get the carriage in use. No, sorry, the ca- the terms of um, terms and conditions. Carriage, yep, yep. Terms and conditions as part of that, and I also took the legal cover out as well. Yep. Thinking as a new owner operator, I think until you're on that side of the uh, that side of the fence and transport, you don't really get to see a lot of what the RHA does. Yeah. Um, sort of for hauliers like behind the scenes, because there's a lot to do with compliance and things. Because often they they tend to step in and help out when you might encounter, you know. Difficulties as such, you know, you've got, you know, some um, circumstances to, to deal with um, in terms of, you know, compliance or, you know, because knowledge is just so complex that, you know, you need to go to somebody and ask them, you know, questions like, how do I go about this? Yeah. Uh, and the RHS plays, you know, an important role um, in that. And like I say, expanding it, expanding it out to like above and beyond hauliers as well. Now, regards to campaigns, there's been one around facilities, and there has been certain things happening with facilities at a governmental level where they launched that focus group and then they did the price matching thing where if you had a, if you had a truck stop and 100 grand to spend, the government would price match it and you would then have 200 grand. And that's since closed. But since then, I haven't really seen any coverage on who's got who actually got some of that and like what benefits are being seen from it at the moment. I know things might move slowly, but it often seems that it's kind of, you, you get a step forward and then another one steps back. As a new facility opens somewhere else, another one shuts down. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a big issue. It's a close issue close to my heart. You know, I, five or six years ago when I first started sort of push up ranks in, into the RHA, you know, we've always been RHA members, but as I sort of got in, involved in more of the infrastructure in, in the background, you know, drivers' welfare has has been very much at the forefront of my mind. You know, again, having a family business, I, I know, I know every one of my truck drivers and, and who they are, and know who their families are, and and and, and I know that what they, they have to deal with each day when they go out there on the UK roads. So it's been something I've been pushing, and we're starting to get some traction. So the you know, some of the some of the funding that was announced, um, God, it must be three budgets ago maybe maybe four um you know there was around about 60 million quid funding made available to facilities which was great it was a step in the right direction Mm -hmm. was it anywhere near enough of course not you know a a brand new truck stop dedicated truck stop couldn't cost anywhere up to 10 million quid so you know Mm -hmm. the context of that is it's not very much obviously truck stops can be built for smaller than that but this funding was really only for improvement of existing facilities. So what it yeah. wasn't doing was creating new facilities. And and the problem we've got mm-hmm. in the UK is that we don't have enough parking spaces for the trucks that are out there on the UK roads. End of story. The second problem we've got is the facilities that we do have are not up to standard. They're not good enough. They're not safe enough. They're not well appointed enough. And there's there's not enough. Uh, options for for you know healthy food for example you know it's your your unusual fast food chains we're all more health conscious these days so there's there's a, been a lot of work to do and and what was a proud moment for for the RHA and it's only a small step was that a couple of months ago we we were able to hand deliver a petition to the door of number 10 which had 
over 80 MPs' signatures on it, backing uh, further work and further funding for better and more uh, HGV truck stops, to, to put it in, into a small phrase. Now, has that created anything with any immediacy? No. But what it has done is put this subject on the agenda even more. And it's taken a lot of our members putting pressure on locally and talking about it to keep this subject uh, moving forward. And, you know, the RHA has got an even better platform than it's than it's had before of being able to talk about, um, you know, with the parliamentary group that's involved in. And, and, and just before Christmas, I was down at the Houses of Parliament talking to many of these MPs that signed up to this petition. And, and talking about the, the struggles of the industry, struggles of drivers, mm-hmm. struggles of, of of the hauliers and, and, and you know the owners owners as well. There's a lot of work to be done, but we're further in the door than we've ever been before. And you know, as RHA chair, it's something I'm 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 hanging my shoes on, so to speak. Of you know, while while I'm chair, this is something that I will be pushing. Um, I believe it's right. I believe it's necessary. The truck isn't going away very quickly, you know. It's going to be needed, R- regardless of electrification and all the rest of it. The truck is going to be there for a, for a, for a long time yet, and therefore we need the facilities, we need the funding, we also need to change the bloody planning, um, you know, planning system. Just yeah. here in Gloucestershire, uh, the end of last year, a new truck stop was refused at local council because they don't want it built in in the sunny Cotswolds, which I get. But at the same time, it was on the doorstep of the A417, which anyone down here knows that dual carriageway and the famous air balloon roundabout where mm-hmm. back back tails for, for hours on end. And that's had to go to public inquiry just for something that would be have trees planted all around it and no one's going to see, but it's right off the dual carriageway central network. Yeah, some of the obje- I, I do know about that truck stop. Some of the objections that were coming out were really spurious from people. It was people who lived three miles away from it who said, "Oh, well, that's too close to my house." Yeah, and you get people saying, "Oh, well, it's going to cause noise and pollution," and it's like, "Have you ever seen a truck stop at eight o'clock at night? The place is dead." Yeah, and there were other. I mean, there's been other famous cases where people have said things like, "That'll attract prostitutes," and it's like, "What?" What planet are you on? I've never heard of anything like that. Um, but yeah, I remember being, I went to an event at the Hollies truck stop at the end of last year where Richard Holden, the transport MP, he was at that, yep. which was the upshot of the funding match for the improvements. And to be fair, um, for us, you know, your typical, I mean, he was, he was pretty good to talk to, um, and he did definitely say all the right things. Yeah. I was like, well, it's interesting to at least hear an MP acknowledge that sort of stuff, which is, you know, an important step, but, you know, it's important to see it backed up with um, sort of action as well. And get, you know, I guess with the planning sort of thing, well, what Richard Holden said, if you've got any problems with local authorities or something, you know, that are, you know, really digging their heels in with this sort of stuff and the problems, come to me because then I have some, you know, then we can put governmental pressure on to go and like overrule this stuff. So hopefully, you know, things like these truck stops can be built more easily um, in the future without this sort of um, nimbyism going on. But I guess there's got a lot of complication with land values in certain parts of the country as well, because, you know, greenfield sites are so massively sought after as well. Mm-hmm. 
the, th- the thing is, we're limited on where we can do these things. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're not a vast size geographical country, you know, are we? And, and, you know, you can only put these things when they're, where they're needed. You know, it's, you, you wouldn't put a truck stop somewhere that's a million miles away from everywhere because it's just not right. You know, uh, you know, we talk about fuel efficiency and, and less CO2 and less NOx and all that, but, you know, some of our road diversions and the way we do things are just completely illogical. But, I mean, that's a whole other can of worms that maybe we shouldn't open. But, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, highways England are pretty much a law unto themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with, their, with their road closures, which is an enormous bugbear of anybody who runs at night. And a, a, a lot of it stems from people, people phone in the Jeremy Vine show and go, uh, yeah, why can't the lorries just go and drive on the roads at night instead of the daytime? It's like, have you ever been in the motorway network at night? There's just as many trucks on it as there is in the daytime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, people don't know or kind of have any sort of um, understanding, understanding of that. I guess it's important for the industry to try and get across what it is that we do because the public did have a kind of sudden appreciation of trucks and haulage during COVID when, you know, they were sat at home, but they were able to still get everything because transport and logistics was still running at full pelt the whole time it, it it was amazing the power that once you know cornflakes started to stop being on the shelves for for, for a day Quite or two that, that people <laughs> actually started to join the dots of how important um you know the truck was uh you know the, the famous slogan from the rha from years ago is that you know 97 percent of everything that we consume at some point in its life moves on a truck and you, you can't you can't avoid that. There is no other way of doing it. You know, it, it takes fourteen to eighteen vans to move the same amount of goods as as one Arctic. Um, that's just that's just basic basic maths. You know, they're they're, they're here to stay, and they're they're a necessary part of 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 what we all, every single one of us, mm-hmm. you know, consume. Now, I know you mentioned that you've got a, a heavy haulage uh, side to the operations at Cullimore. Yeah. I've been doing a couple of jobs with heavy haulers recently, and they're having a lot of problems at the moment with the disparity between the various regions, particularly in England, um, whereby they're getting involved. They're trying to get like involved with MPs and our uh, kind of political level because it seems to be getting ever more difficult to move large, heavy objects on our road yep. network. Because yep. these regions seem to um, have sort of um, there's no joined they, up thinking. They want to do. Th- there's no joined up thinking. One of them says we don't want you to move at night, and the other one says yep. we only want you to move at night. Yeah, and they, they don't seem to be you know talking to each other and coming up with a cohesive plan. Have you found that it's been getting more difficult on the heavy haulage side to? get things done as a big kind of changes in the way things are happening uh, for, for sure and 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 you know without wishing to keep bringing the rha back into it but a lot of a lot of the members have been saying exactly what you've been saying mm-hmm. the last four to six weeks we've been doing a lot of work on ab- abnormal loads um you know with government with with um you know that chap that mp who, who's, who's whose name you, you mentioned as well to to try and educate there is no joined up thinking between authorities it's not even between the regions mm-hmm. You can travel between one county and the next, you know, and you can be policed entirely differently but for the load that you carry. And uh, it's making it impossible. Uh, and, and the RHA are having to do a lot of work and a lot of education, you know, with the, with the powers that be to, to, to change that. But yeah, we're, we're, seeing it a, we're seeing it a lot. You know, we had, um, uh, we were moving something with some MOD machinery on the, on the back of it up in 
sort of near the Manchester area. And I think we hit a zone uh, just after, uh, I think it was something like 4 p.m. And we got, we got pulled over because we, you're not allowed to move during rush hour or between the hours of four and half past six. Um, but that doesn't necessarily work with your driver's hours either, does it? I mean, there's so many complications with it. You know, it was an escorted ve- escorted vehicle as well. So, yeah, there is there is problems up and down the, down the country, and getting parity across is going to be a real challenge. Um, and it's only getting worse because you know the scrutiny seems to be 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 even heavier than it's ever been before. Yeah, there definitely seems to be things kind of moving with that. The heavy haulers that I've spoken to are increasingly exasperated because. When you get these movement, you can take an awful long time to get a movement order to get something to go somewhere, and then something else can happen, and the whole you know domino sequence just comes crashing, yeah. crashing mean, down on them. Yeah. And you can't get backloads for these things either. Yeah. A lot of the time, because of the size of the vehicles and everything, so it makes it increasingly difficult to sort of be. When you talk about efficiency as well, these things use a lot of diesel. They need to run efficiently. And yeah, the whole sort of council county side of it seems to be intent on making things, you know, ever more difficult. But it's, it's good to hear that you know there, there's like pressure on at high levels to go and address this. And yeah. um, it, our I mean, friendly it, MP seems to be aware of it as well. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 a new one, but it's definitely something we've been pushing hard on the last couple of months. I mean, it, it even comes back to facilities. You know, you, you get near to four o'clock and you can't drive in that on that motorway because it's near a city at a certain time. Where are you pushed? You're pushed to one of the, the service stations or or, or or parking facilities where you can only park for 45 minutes. Well, that doesn't help you when it's between four and six, does it? Um, so it, it, it's 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 a nightmare. It is a nightmare, and it, it you know equally it's going to c- contribute to the the rising costs of these things. Absolutely. Now, one of the important things coming up for the RHA just shortly is the National Lorry Week. Yeah. Do you want to talk a bit about that? It's when it is and what's happening uh, with that. Yeah, so National Lorry Week, I think, is in its, uh, this will be its ninth year. And the last three or four years, for sure, it has really, really kicked on. Uh, it's now, you know, uh, recognised across across the country and this year, camp, the camp, the RHA will be starting the campaign at the beginning of, of October. Uh, but National Lorry Week itself is between the 23rd and 29th of October. You know, it's the aim is to to celebrate the people and the businesses who, who are you know are keeping the economy going and, and and championing you know the industry as 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 you know as a whole. But also, you know, showing that it's a, a realistic vocation to people, but also, you know, showing the challenges the in- industry faces. So it's about educating everyone, the the public, but also showing what a, an amazing industry it is, what an amazing community it is. You know, there's a community of of of, of drivers, there's a community of businesses, all who, who try and mostly help each other out. Um, and it's a way of just you know spreading the message about. You know what the truck is about, but also you know we've got challenges. Things like there's still a truck driver shortage. There's still mm-hmm. an HGV mechanic shortage, which is even worse. Um, yeah, that is a difficult. That is a particularly difficult one uh, to overcome. I think a lot. Of, I mention it uh, frequently that I don't think schools place any near enough value in vocational qualifications, whereby. Going and getting an apprenticeship should be valued just as much as somebody going to university for four years. Yep. Because what they do is arguably equally, if not more difficult at times, 
Um, but it just seems to be, and I've spoken to younger people, I've been speaking to quite a lot of young drivers recently as well, yep. uh, partly doing things for truck and driver, and it does seem to be at school that it's like there's a big push, oh, you need to go to university and everything, but nobody's really saying, hey, do you fancy being a mechanic or a technician because, you know, you're really good at physics and maths and things? There doesn't just doesn't seem to be uh, enough of that. Uh, yeah, you're, and you're right enough with the truck mechanic thing. There seems to be quite a small pool of them that go, kind of go around kind of in circles between various dealerships yeah, because yeah, they're yeah. not. And you can't grow them overnight because that takes you know years to go and pick up that that sort of stuff. But again, it's something you can make a lot of good money at. Yeah, I mean the mechanics these days. Uh, if we're allowed to call them mechanics these days, I don't know, but um, you know they're, they're they're earning pretty decent money. I think the 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 problem is is that. You know, I think culturally people can can go and do simpler, less challenging jobs. It's not to say that this is, you know, you know, learning to be a mechanic is is beyond anyone because it's not. It's it's you know, if you've got a, you know, if you've you've got an eye for detail and 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 want to do a job right, you you can learn it. But I think you know, being under a truck uh, in a pair of overalls or, or or whatever is is you know for whatever the going rate is these these 16 17 18 quid an hour um you know when you can go and get other easier jobs for 15 or 16 quid an hour it's just it doesn't culturally seem to have the same appeal but i just don't think people realize the 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 sort of more lucrative nature of being a me- mechanic and also the 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 things that it, it opens you up to um you know we've just spent a huge amount of money modernizing our our own garage and workshops on on the site you came to about four or five years ago, you know, and we've got, I, I, you know, I would, I would challenge, although it might not be as big as shiny as one of the big manufacturers. I've, I think our facilities and our workshop, you know, for, for, for family independent businesses, as good as any truck dealer out there. And we've, we've, we've opened a, a workshop, a fabrication workshop as well. And we've, we've got three or four welders who are now, you know, massively busy. That's a new business. We started ourselves. Finding those people has been really, really challenging, um, but the work is there, we're, and we're really busy. And then we, our workshops gone back to twenty-four hours, uh, yeah. you know, twenty-four hour shifts. So there, there's there's a shift that works for for everyone, and and that there's good money to be earned um, without having to go to university. Like yeah, I mean, there's always yeah, there's always people looking for you know painters welders like fabrication people in the industry busy like companies have got like big long waiting lists and things it's not easy to get this kind of stuff done is your fabrication side is that open to like third party yeah customers and yeah. like so anybody yeah. come on what sort of what sort of things is it they're doing is it like sort of like locker boxes and trucks and things or the alterations to things or anything really we 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 can now do more or less anything so we started off a uh, a couple of years ago, we became um, a service partner. Um, actually, it was probably more than a few years ago, just before COVID, to McPhee Mixers. So that's how we, we sort of started. Oh, yeah. So we were dropping new drums and stuff on the back of trucks. So we became their service partner. I think we were the first one outside of Scotland um, for them uh, down in our in, in our region. And, and so we got some fabricators doing that and obviously putting our own drums on as well. Uh, and it's kind of snowballed on that. We, we've got every bit of metal bending and cutting kit. We've got this laser table that can literally cut any design into any any metal. We're even making garden railings. So someone, like someone approached us because he's a fisherman and he's got a dog and he wanted him and his dog fly fishing 
on his railings and we cut his railings on 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 this on this plasma table so um well you know that's not where we're branching out mm-hmm. but it just shows you that someone local has come but yeah we're, we're doing everything from fuel tanks to um you know someone bought one of those uh display trailers you know you take to i mean this one wasn't for truck fest it was for a jeweler but um you know those those trailers that open up and offer hospitality yeah we mm-hmm. you know we fix the chassis of that horse boxes you know we, we've done everything from from quad bikes to to the to, to, to arctic trailers um if it's metal we we can work it and we've got a really talented team there which is great but it's been a long hard road getting those people uh, and mm-hmm. getting those skills yeah yeah well that's really good i didn't, I didn't know that that had evolved uh into that side of side of things i would say sort of mainstay of the fleet is still the tipper business is that right that's like the sort of bulk of the the truck fleet yeah just our, our just general, our, our general haulage has really kicked on the last um sort of 18 months um we we got a we've got a couple of new guys in in our transport office that have come from uh other companies um one a, a pretty big national uh haulier and uh you know we we're fortunate that they've brought some of their little black books so to speak with them and that's opened some doors to us that we we used to have but we we probably lost some contact with um so you know we've got a new new sort of regime in in our transport department and you know we're we're we're, we're delivering stuff soft drinks quite regularly for example up, up to your part of the world in, in in scotland at the moment um you know we we do a lot with a, a catering company so we do all the sort of hospitality you know food and drink into places like epsom Racecourse, silverstone for the grand prix and and you know we've even been to some of the less um swanky football clubs like west ham but uh, i'm not a football competitive person before anyone shouts at me for that um from the west country so i don't really know what football is so but yeah so our general haulage fleet is up now at sort of 16 arctics we've got a couple of bulk powder um tankers on that as well as four or five um tippers but yeah as you say we're, we're running probably 25 eight before and six before tippers so there there is a there is a bias on that but then we've got 16 truck mixers as well so and then a few things in between with the heavy haulage and the recovery vehicle and um you know some grabs um you know crane lorries and that sort of thing too as well as the smaller stuff for the retail you know, we, we do the bagged aggregate to to the local sort of builders and stuff as well what what sort of what, uh, manufacturers um have you got on the fleet uh, i know that a lot of hauliers have been sort of frustrated over the last couple of years of the sheer lead times yeah. for getting a hold of new trucks which was supposed to get better but it isn't really you know yeah if you want to go straight in and order a truck off the bat today you might not get it until 2025 yeah I mean that may still change that that will really depend on on the economy I know yeah. I know that um a lot of people have probably put speculative orders in mm-hmm. I, I certainly know some of the problems at the beginning of of last year and the year before probably aren't quite quite there like they were but there is still long lead times I mean it's the same even in in buying a, a new car these days you know I I, I took a, my car in for service last week and they didn't have afterparts that the the, the routine mm. service had. They're on back order, you know, and that's that's a problem. Um, but the, there's there's trucks out there. Look, if you wanted to go and order thirty trucks and have them in three months' time, you're not going to have them. It doesn't matter who you are. We 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 know mm. that. Um, which is is a pain. Um, in terms of our fleet, 
we've probably got a more mixed fleet than we've ever had. You know, historically, we were always known for Foden's. You know, we always wanted to right. buy British and all that, and we've mm-hmm. got some of our Foden's, although they're not officially on the road. We've we've restored them. One of the last Foden made befores that came off the production line, I've, I've, I've sort of restored that fully, a 56 plate, um, and, and that lives in one of our warehouses. Um and people keep wanting to get it out because of the rubber suspension and the and the Jake brake and all the rest of it. You know, it, it, yeah. what ruffles the feathers of all proper truckers. You know, um, but uh, you know, on our general haulage fleet, we've got a lot of Volvo, which is something that five years ago you wouldn't have seen us running. Um, still got DAF uh, and still got um, Scania as well. Scania have always been good for us because generally they're. Chassis weights have been better, which you know we need because you know we 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 sell the gravel based on weight, yeah, by load. So it's about maximising how much of the aggregate mm-hmm. that we can get on in in one go to reduce the trips. Um, but it, yeah. we've we've a lot more Volvo than we've ever 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 seen mm-hmm. anyone with us. Um, yeah, is that on the on the tractor unit side? What what are you going for on that? Have you got any of that? Because Volvo do such an enormous variety of vehicles and engine options now. They've got the turbo compound yeah. as well, and they've also got the five hundred, the five forty, the dual clutch option, and other yeah. things. You know, it's kind of bewildering what they yeah, do. Have you tried any of the turbo compounds? Uh we so we've got four sixties and five hundreds. Mm-hmm. I've not actually. Do you know what? I used to always have a rule that as soon as a truck came into my bloody yard, I'd be the first mm-hmm. one to go and you know, mm-hmm. run it around a bit to see what it was like. Uh, and I've just not done that in the last few years. So I've, other than for a few photos for a, for a mm-hmm. few publications that have turned up, I've not really driven any of our tractor unit Volvos. So I couldn't really tell you um, too much about them other than I don't like the way the handbrakes mm-hmm. work, but that's that's probably my... Oh, is it, is it the electric handbrake? Yeah, it, it's, it's... Yeah, I'm, it not, doesn't... I'm not a fan of... I'm not a fan of electric handbrakes, really. Like, I don't... Th- I think it's just something... If you panic, then sometimes you can't get them to disengage if you're on a roundabout because if you push the thing too hard, then it won't disengage. You have to just do it just right. And I'm yeah, like, yeah. What's the difference between just flicking a lever up that was there anyway? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like- yeah, yeah. I, I, I want that surety that the things either on or off. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. um, and I think some of these things that if you if you do happen, we try and keep one driver, one truck. But if you are swapping around between the brands, mm-hmm. you know, one one will go one way and one will go another. And it just you know in in this sort of accident adverse world, you know, you'd, mm-hmm. it's one of those things you. You just don't want differences. Isn't that said? We've not had any problems, but just it's probably because I I learn on an old Eaton twin split, and it mm-hmm. even though I'm only in my forties, it, it never leaves your mind the old the old way of doing things. But maybe I'm just uh, too stuck in my ways. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the technology and the, the modern trucks is just you know it's phenomenal. Uh, there was a there was a period where they were sort of trying a lot of stuff out in the last few years, even the last couple of decades, automatic gearboxes, but even things like predictive cruise and AEBS, things like yeah. that, which are like, you know, which can make things more efficient. And as we've got into Euro 6E, they've really cracked that now, yeah. you know, and it's, it's starting to make such a such a difference, provided you've got guys who, you know, are know how to use that sort of yeah. sort of stuff. Well, we, if it's there, so we 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 resisted just on the technology front. We 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 resisted for a long time to go to the the automatic gearboxes, you know, because in the aggregate and muck away world, 
You know, you needed that book clutch. You needed that pedal mm -hmm. there so you could build the revs so you could get when you're off road so you could get out mm -hmm. of sticky situations. Mm -hmm. And and Scania offered uh, for, for, for quite a while, albeit not an actual clutch, you know, it's not mm -hmm. actually connected to much. There was that foot pedal there. Clutch you and could, demand, yeah. You could, you could build mm -hmm. the revs to pull you away. You didn't have to use it, but it was there you know, for those scenarios. And, and, mm -hmm. and, and when we went to, to Scania on the April 4s, we, we spec that because we found that really good. We found the drivers like that and it was able to give them control when they were off, off road, which we do every day with every delivery almost. So mm -hmm. you know, technology's moved on, but you know, Euro seven, um, you know, despite all this chat about electrification, mm -hmm. Euro seven is around the corner, isn't it? So that'd be interesting to see what that brings. Yeah, well, I know that it's focusing quite a lot on tyre particulates and brake particulates and things. Yeah, yeah. And if they were really serious about that, why don't they let us run 4 by 2s at 44 tonnes then? Because they could do it anyway, and that takes a whole load of axles and tyres and everything off the road. But, you know, I don't... That's, like, something which would... You know, to get that sort of through with the government, I think eight-wheelers should be allowed to run at 34 tonnes as well. You know, I don't yep. see... They, they're all designed to do it, but... Um, well, that's, that's yeah. the whole debate also about... You know the 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 longer trailer thing that came in mm -hmm. in recently is like okay we can run longer trucks now, uh, but they'd never gave us any more weight on what you can run. So actually, while that longer combination thing may work for a lot of hauliers, it doesn't work for 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 people like me in the aggregates world because actually I can't mm -hmm. carry any more regardless how long my my vehicle is. So it, it's again it's 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 that lack of joined up thinking of actually this is a thing we're going to achieve and and. How do we achieve it? And 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 that's where people like the RHA have to come in and continue that education of the people that make the the, the decisions. Still work in progress, obviously. Yeah, well, it's been fantastic to catch up with you again, Mort, and I think I will need to go and pop in in person and see this um, new facility that you've got built there and uh, this fancy fabrication workshop, see some of the new fleet the next time I'm on the M5. For sure. Thank you so much for coming on the Trucking Driver podcast, and I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you. Good to speak to you. Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye. truck and driver podcast please subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode to keep up to date with the latest news 100 for drivers visit truckanddriver.co.uk where you can also subscribe to the print edition of truck and driver magazine which publishes on the last friday of every month